Hi, this is Gina Pangalangan. And I'm Jordan McMahon. This is Education Outside the Lines, a podcast where we are having very real conversations on education and parenting with Gina, a mom and educator with a unique philosophy. Hey, you guys, this week on Education Outside the Lines, we are going to be talking about how to prepare your kids for the real world and the dynamics of helicopter parent, lawnmower parents, how we can parent better and prepare our kids to problem solve and deal with uncertainty. So I am here with Gina. And first of all, Gina, I want to hear what you think about this recent study that was done. Okay. So Um, In a recent study, this showed that about 50% of employers viewed millennials as having unrealistic compensation expectations and poor work ethic. What do you think about that statistic? I definitely um, buy into that research and and I've read the same thing. Um, I do, as an employer of some millennials, I don't necessarily see that here, but I'm aware of it when I interview and try to ask those tough questions. You don't always see it, but I think the, um, the, the big buzzword around my teachers is about grit mm-hmm. and making sure we're preparing our kids in our classroom to be gritty and to be mm-hmm. determined and to be able to work hard because mm-hmm. that research is out there. We are hearing through a traditional um, educational journey, mm-hmm. they're getting out and not not being prepared to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, they're afraid to fail because it's all about the grades and the testing. And um, we also, as parents, have have coddled our kids out of the goodness of our hearts. I mean, we want to do what's best for our kids and we want to make their life easy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we've made it so easy that when they experience something difficult, they're not willing to work hard. Or Mm -hmm. when they experience something difficult, there's some depression and anxiety, which is Mm -hmm. running rampant in our society now, too. Right, right. Um, so you would agree with, I love this writer, she's a psychotherapist, um, she's the author of a book called Anxious Parents, Anxious Kids, and uh, she says, we have become a culture of trying to make sure our kids are comfortable. We as parents are trying to stay one step ahead of everything for our kids, so trying to stay one step ahead of everything that our kids are going to run into. The problem with this is that life doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to that quote a little bit and just kind of tell me a little bit more about um, how we've made things a little bit too comfortable for our kids. Okay, well, um, I'm not going to reveal my age, but let's just say I've been around for a while. So I've seen this pendulum and this change. Um When I was a kid, we were allowed to freely ride our bicycles all over the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, We were going, we went places. We were dropped off at the mall in the movies and, and we had some freedoms, um, which allowed us to kind of figure out how to go up to the movies and pay for it on Mm -hmm. our own and, Mm -hmm. and work on those things, those soft skills that later would translate into employability skills. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we don't let our kids do as much on their own. I think Mm -hmm. what we saw was the milk carton kid, um, you know, the kids Mm -hmm. that were missing. So when I became a parent, I was fearful. I was fearful to let my kids out of my Mm -hmm. sight Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, somebody would take them. So you know, we had that that fear as parents that we had to protect our kids. Mm-hmm. We also knew more about um, psychology today, right. and 
you know, now we're, we're mindful of how we want to build up our kids' self-esteem. Well, how do you do that? You, you make them feel like they're so great at everything. Mm-hmm. Well, we've gone too far the other way. Mm-hmm. That we, there's, there's kids that feel, I don't have to work very hard. I'm really good at what I do no matter right. what. Right. Um, and, you know, I saw the trend in education. We, we went, um, when I was being educated at Bowling Green, it was building the self-esteem. We knew self-esteem was affected to learning. If they had a good self-esteem, they might, you know, learn more. They felt good about mm-hmm. themselves. It was a mindset thing, but we didn't know what it was called then. Mm-hmm. So we went to, um, everybody gets a sticker. Mm-hmm. Everybody wins. Let's not have games where there's a winner and a loser. Mm-hmm. Um, when kids ask questions in the classroom, we don't want to say, no, you're wrong because that, that hurts their self-esteem. I still believe we should never shame kids outwardly. Right. I believe we should look for other terms to use, but I have gone back to not giving everybody a sticker, not giving right, everybody right. a trophy. I, yeah. d- I don't believe that's working. What we're seeing is is kids are entitled. I don't have to work very hard. I'm going to get the trophy. Right. And it doesn't do anything to build resilience in the child or for them to learn the concept of consequences and privilege and earning something and all of those different dynamics that definitely just end up happening no matter what as an adult and especially as you enter college and, um, and then the workforce especially. So... Um, you know, but it's hard. Like, I mean, for me as a parent, my instinct before I sort of opened myself up to any kind of media or thought about what I've seen in the news is to let Gage get on his bike and ride a little bit down the street. I know he knows even at four years old to stop and look both ways. He has a helmet on. I trust my neighbors. I live in a really safe neighborhood. But then all of a sudden, all of this stuff overwhelms me. Even experiences that I had at a child that might have been uh, just a little bit traumatizing or something like that, that they, they overwhelm me. And I think, oh, no, I, I can't let him do that. You know, but really my initial pure instinct was, no, he can handle writing down three houses to the neighbor's house without me even watching him. And I can trust that he's going to do. But, you know, so so how do we sort of toe that line of um, not being overprotective, but also not neglecting our kids? Mm-hmm. You know? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said line. And this oh. is something Jordan and I say to you all the time yes. in, our, in our talks. We have to stay in the functional middle. Yeah. Over-functioning and under-functioning, neither are good. Mm-hmm. We do have to protect our, our kids. It's our job as a parent to make sure they're safe. But we don't want to do, do so much for them that they don't develop these things. So um, I I went through the same thing as a parent. I, I realized I was at one of those McDonald's play zones, and I was the only parent there following my kid around so she didn't fall. Right. You know, even though the, the ground was soft. Yeah. What was I thinking? She could fall and she could get back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started learning to, when she fell, turn the other way so she didn't see my fear, that look on my mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. And I faked my way through it so mm-hmm. she didn't know. And I would do the same thing. I would If I was you, I'd... I'd I tell Gage, you can do this on your own. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. But I'd still walk, watch him maybe out of the window of the house. Or I call my neighbor and say he's on his way. Make sure he gets there. Right, right. So my job as a parent is still to protect him. But I want him to feel the sense he's doing things on his own. Mm-hmm. So that's it. It's not uh, It's not for us as parents. It's really for our kids. Mm-hmm. We, we want our kids to feel they can do things on their own. And failure is okay. Mm-hmm. And figuring things out. Problem solving. That's part of life. He needs to problem solve how to get down there on their own. I don't mean go in the house, have coffee, and put your headphones on and not 
think about it right, for another hour. Right, right. But, you know, stay in that middle zone, but it's for him, not for you. So mm-hmm. I, I would say let your kids think that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the other example is I, I, my kids had chores around the house, and I was kind of picky about some things that I had to let go of. So they load the dishwasher. I go back later and fix it so that it was more efficiently cleaned, you know, but I didn't do that in front of my kids, mm-hmm. right? My kids still thought they were pretty good at washing the dishes. Now, I might do some things like, you know, if you if you stack the dishes this way, they might, you know, I teach them, mm-hmm. but I won't tell them they were wrong, they did it wrong, let me show you how it's done. I would show them some different tricks to the trade, you right, know, right. but... I think we need to let our kids try things Mm -hmm. and we need to let our kids fail, but we don't want to shame them when they fail. We want to teach them. Yeah. Yeah. So looking for opportunities for healthy risk, which I think is kind of like a buzzword right now, uh, something that I've read a lot about Mm -hmm. allowing some healthy risk. And then, and then also looking for teachable moments because the thing with healthy risk is that they might fail. They might fall. They might, you might, you might be looking out the window and see them do something you're not super happy about or see them do something kind of risky or like, well, I allowed them to engage in some healthy risk and they made that choice and, and I didn't really want them to do that. So, you know, or that's just not going to be safe for them, but then finding a way to have a, a teachable moment out of those things, not shaming them for it, but to have a teachable moment. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that we talk a lot about um, at, at our school is a growth mindset and not a fixed mm-hmm. mindset. So when you talk to your kids, make sure you're saying things that make them know that they can they can get better at something in the future. Not you can't do that. Last time I saw you ride your bike down there, you crossed too quickly, and now right. you're the privilege is done. You're never going to be able to ride on your own. And you know, maybe you won't say it that harshly, but you'd you give them the message next time. I'm going to go with you because you didn't do it right the next that right, time. Right. No, it's there's always room to improve. We can always get better at things, and you want mm-hmm. to use words. That, that open your kid's mind up to making improvements. And I'm going to keep trying right. to learn. Uh, there's a lot of good research out there on mindset. So I think that uh, yeah. probably should be a, another podcast yeah, that's for another, another topic, day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so, so we briefly mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that we were going to talk about helicopter and lawnmower parents. How about the snowplow parents? And the snowplow parents. Okay, that's the third one now. But can you tell, um, for for some audience members who maybe don't know what helicopter and lawnmower parent, what those terms mean, could you talk about those? And then what are are the difference between those two in your mind as well? Well, I have to admit I was a helicopter parent. Mm. Um, When my daughter went off to... um, public school for the first time in a big school bus I wanted to follow the bus to school to make sure the bus mm-hmm. got there and when she got off she was there and she she made her way in to the school um, so I found myself going okay Gina you really need to step back but mm-hmm. but my daughter was unsure and she was nervous so mm-hmm. I wanted to be mindful of this is my daughter's personality and she'll get really anxious if she doesn't know exactly what's ha- happening so um, So the helicopter parent buzzes around and looks over things and makes sure things Mm -hmm. are good. And then we have a lawnmower parent that just paves the way. I'm going to make this life as easy as I can for my kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pave the way. And then snowplow, like, tears down everybody on the path of their child. You know, the ones that are yelling at the the coach and, and, you know, trying to get their kids into college, like the college scandal that just just went on. Those are definitely the snowplow parents. Okay. But... That's the difference. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Um, so you talked a little bit about how you felt that this played out in your own life. 
what are some ways that you've, some other experiences or ways that you've seen this play out, not only with parents, but also with teachers in the classroom? Well, um, I think sometimes teachers can be a little bit controlling. We want our room to run a certain way. Um, so we don't want the kids to take ownership of putting things away. They might not put them the, the right way. So mm -hmm. the parent, the teacher kind of is the authoritarian over the, the classroom or the authority over the classroom. We want, we want a joint partnership between kids in the classroom mm -hmm. and teachers. We want to let kids do things and create ownership of their class and become part of the community. Mm -hmm. So teachers have to make sure they're not being the, the snowplow teacher mm -hmm. and give the, the kids some freedom. You know, what I hear you saying is that really with 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 allowing yourself to re, to release this helicopter parent tendency or helicopter teacher tendency or snowplow parent or teacher tendency what you're really also doing is you're not only allowing some healthy risk you're not only allowing there to be an opportunity because of the healthy risk the, the inevitability there will be some little bit of failure that happens so that that ultimately leads to a teachable moment but also you're creating learners because if you don't allow those two things, then we're not teaching our kids how to learn either, right? We're not giving them opportunities to learn from failure. We're not giving them opportunities to learn, period. And that is in and of itself a skill that the brain, the developing brain needs to develop. Mm -hmm. And so, it, yeah, I mean, if everything's easy, then they don't even get to experience the joy of what it's like to learn something new. Well, and the sense of accomplishment when you've tried right. something, you practice, and then you finally get it. Yes. You yeah. know, life isn't easy for every child. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we really try hard to make our classrooms fit for all learning styles. Typically, you know, it was just the logical and linguistic learner that was successful in a traditional classroom. But uh, one thing I was thinking when you were talking is the, the fact that we set up our, our classrooms like a community so kids get up and get their own supplies and they are part of that learning we don't just pass things out to them and make it easy we want them to work for it and go and get it but we don't just start the school year in a free-for-all and let everybody just get up on their own we train them and teach them where things are mm -hmm. so it runs smoothly so there are some guardrails in place for things like that right. um, so but they do become a teachable moment also when you were talking I was thinking about our um, topic or our, excuse me, our title of this podcast, Education mm -hmm. Outside the Lines. I've always been a firm believer. We give kids blank canvases to color on, right? And not coloring sheets. But our logo is the apple because it's education, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the, the sign for education, but we have colored the red coloring is outside the lines. Mm -hmm. Kids need to color outside the lines to figure out how to color inside the lines if that's what we want them to do, right? We yeah. need to let them make those mistakes and get right. outside the lines. Right. Um, so, you know, just thinking about some different things like that, giving giving the kids the, the white paper and letting them draw what they want, asking them what they drew, not telling them what to draw. So. Right, right. And then there's no shame, there's no shame attached to doing it right or doing it wrong. It's really a child figuring out on their own, oh, oh, this is the way I want to do it. This is the way I want to figure out how to make something beautiful to me, mm -hmm. you know? And that exploration is is a skill that is so wonderful to learn because I think as adults we get you know, we get so hung up on, oh, I failed, so now I have shame, so now I have to overcome this huge amount of shame to even get back on my feet to try again or to even learn from it, right? Mm -hmm. Because the shame just sort of like swamps the brain. 
But if a child learns early on, there's no shame attached to coloring outside the lines. This is just me figuring out how I want my picture to look. And oh, look, I create an image by coloring inside the lines. That's something I want to achieve next time. Um, but it's up to the adult to make sure they don't shame them. Right. Because what happens when they are shamed is that that traumatizes the brain and that little memory sticks in there. Right. And that's what paralyzes them the next time to not take the risk. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to have positive um, adults in your child's life. Mm. You know, and be mindful of what you're saying them, the, the message you're giving about their failure. Right, right. All these things we talked about, we're, it sounds like we're talking about the young children, you know, the early childhood children. But if we do all these things along their journey, hopefully when they go to off to college, they'll be able right. to solve a lot of their own problems without fear. Right. Um, or it might, it might be a good healthy fear, you know, the first time they have to go to a teacher's office to talk about a grade mm -hmm. um, in college. They'll, they might have some little healthy fear, but they'll still do it knowing they can because they've seen these things along the way that gave them that growth mindset, knowing if, if I try, I can mm -hmm. succeed and it won't be so bad. And, um, you know, I'm not a failure and I don't have that shame because, I, you know, I, I heard that message along the way as a right, kid the whole right. time. Yes. So yeah. and college that, administrators are saying there's a big problem with our college age right. kids because the parents are still wanting to solve all the problems for them. And it really just creates this fear and anxiety. I, I think it's so interesting because it, it kind of goes back to a nature versus nurture question. Um, but I, I, I loved this Ezra Klein podcast that I listened to where he had a discussion about, you know, and I was, we were just talking about this a little bit before we started, anxiety versus determination. They're really very similar in the body as far as what's going on in the body. I think what we pick up on as kids is that if, if I color outside the lines and I'm told that that's wrong, I develop some anxiety over that, right? And so this feeling of nervousness, I develop as, oh, I'm afraid to do something wrong, as opposed to maybe I'm determined to do it this way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that that kind of plays into that concept a little bit as well. And then when a child goes to college or, you know, um, a young adult goes to college, it's, um, they feel those feelings again of like a little bit of nervousness. Hopefully then what they could do is allow that to turn into determination mm. as opposed to anxiety. I can't do this on my own. I need somebody to tell me whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I need my parent there to um, solve all the problems. Mm. But they know, oh, I can figure this out on my own. I've figured out things my whole life, you know. So I, I, I love that conversation. Um, so obviously we don't want to neglect our kids. Uh, we hate seeing our kids experience diff the difficulty that we experience, kind of going back to our tendency to be overprotective because of that. So how do we uh, teach our kids, though, to overcome uncertainty in situations? I mean, how do we help them in a split-second moment where they need to make a decision how do we help them develop that that peace of mind that they can move through uncertainty? So Jordan, I think um, to answer your question, a lot of what we do as parents needs to be modeled to our kids when we're handling situations the right way. Mm -hmm. we're, we're a teacher. Our kids are watching us all the time, whether it's, you know, a mom in the bathroom putting on her makeup, you know, that, that will be something the kids will, are watching. So mm -hmm. we need to be good role models to our kids and handle situations in the right way. So when we as adults stay in the functional middle in a hard situation, our kids are going to see that mm -hmm. and they're going to model those things later. The other thing I think for parents we can do is 
when our kids are feeling anxious about something, maybe it's the next day at school, they have a presentation and they're talking about it um, and how it's making them feel. We can help role play some things. Well, let's, let's pretend this is going to happen tomorrow. What would you do? And I'll help you. You know, we're, we're supposed to help and we're supposed to be their teachers. But mm-hmm. what parents are doing instead of talking those the kids through those things and helping them by role playing and thinking of some situations or encouraging them with a growth mindset, we're, we're emailing the teacher. My child's right. feeling anxious about that. Can they do the report the, a, another time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. instead of that good, healthy encouragement? I'm telling you as a parent of older kids now and looking back, you know, those little things along the way that are going to be hard for them. It's so much better to do it with a safety net while they're still with you mm-hmm. than to coddle them and, and be the helicopter parent the whole way because then when they get out on their own, big life things are going to happen and they're not going to be able to handle it. And that's a lot scarier, mm-hmm. you know, to make a big mistake like that and not be able to handle something when you're an, a young adult than when you're right, a child. Right. I know it's really hard when our kids feel bad. Mm-hmm. I, did, I never wanted my kids to feel badly about anything. And, and it breaks your heart as a parent. But I'm telling you, as an older pa- a parent with older kids now, it's okay to let them feel a little discomfort from time to time. Right, right. Um, so this kind of makes me think about a child's sense of autonomy um, and a child's sense of autonomy needing to come into play with this whole conversation in this space of overcoming exer- uncertainty. So explain how or talk a little bit about how we can, when we take out all the ob- obstacles for our kids, we are also taking away their right as a human being an ability to choose a path for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So can you think of any examples or experiences where you have seen um, that sor- sort of boost a kid to make a choice for themselves? And then that plays out later in life. Well, at our school, we started at a really young age. We have these little preschoolers walking into our building on their own if they if they want to. I encourage parents to do that. It's a real safe place. Mm-hmm. They walk down. They hang up their own little coat. They are hang up their own little bag. They go into the room and make a, a choice of what they want to do that day. With free choice. And, you know, the whole way up through high school, they're doing that. They're, they're doing projects, and they're choosing some different ways they want to present their projects. So they are getting a lot of choice, and that mm-hmm. t- that gives them the message they are capable of making good choices and doing things on their own. Oh, I love that message. That is just such a I, – I feel like that just helps a child believe inherently they really do know what's best for themselves. And then for the rest of time, they can know it's okay to respond to my needs. Mm-hmm. I, I It's okay for me to say – no, I know what's right in this situation. I'm not too swayed by my surroundings, my peers, um, what even might be convenient at, at times. You know, I, I feel like um, you and I both are so much into learning about self-care and and about the benefits of that for you for, for all different areas of life. But that requires being willing to say my needs matter I do know what I need in this situation and I'm capable of taking care of myself you know and if I make a mistake it's gonna be okay right I can choose something else yes so I feel like that's so so beneficial for kids as they get older Mm so Charlie McMahon um, Mm -hmm. somebody we both know just a little just a little (laughs) he uh, talks a little bit about, or a lot actually, um, but this fall he talked a little bit about how to raise tough and tender kids. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this, and how 
how would you parent like this? Like put that in your own words, sort of that idea. And um, tell me about some of the ways that educators and parents can help achieve this in their classrooms and then also at home. All right, so I think, um, when I think of tough and tender, I think about um, this this world that we're living in where sports are a big part of everybody's um, childhood and, and we want our kids to win all the games and, and, and we did talk about not giving everybody a trophy so there needs to be a little bit of winning and losing along the way. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that but we want our kids to, to work hard for their own good. It's not about beating somebody else. It's about um, getting better at what you're doing. So you want to win the game. You want to play well. Um, because at the same time, we want our kids to, to care about other people and be good citizens and good human beings. So we want them to have this empathy and, and be able to help. So, you know, it's okay to be tough on the, on the sports field. And then in the classroom, help somebody that fell or dropped something. You know, we want, we want to show um, our kids a balance of both. And then when I said show, it made me think of modeling again. Right. We need to model that as parents, the tough and right. tender. Right. So we can work hard and I can, I can, um, you know, try try my best at things, but it's about myself getting better and better, not about me beating somebody else, because that kind of goes along with the, the idea that I'm better than and I don't need to care about people. Right. I, I, I also see incredible opportunity here for parents and teachers to show vulnerability themselves, because often, sometimes as a parent or teacher, we think we have to keep it all together for our kid, do things perfectly in front of them so that, that what they see is, you know, somebody who has it all together. And it's hard to sometimes admit when we're wrong or say that we're, you know, having some strong feelings, that we're feeling a little sad, that this was hard for me today. I feel like that's all a part of modeling, too, is modeling some vulnerability and saying it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have a bad day. Admit when you're wrong. Make amends. That's all okay. It is. You know, is. especially and, with the balance. You know, when, right. when we're upset as a parent, if we overfunction and we cry in front of our kids all day long and we can't get on with our day that's that's right. too much right? right but to say to your child I'm having a bad day mommy's sad about something that mm -hmm. is that is real and they need to know right. that too right. and, and then they see later sad. that you're you're okay you know right. you, you right. were sad for a while and now you're okay that, that's going to give them the message mm -hmm. when when things are tough for them it's okay if they're if they're sad for a little while right I had this morning with Gage where uh, you know sometimes when we're trying to get out of the house we're trying to get shoes on and everything like that and I'm trying to tell him and then when we finally sit in the car I'm like oh, was I rushing him too much was I you know short with him at all as I was trying to get the shoes on and stuff and so I thought you know instead of sitting here beating myself up over those conversations I'm gonna go ahead and be vulnerable with him and I said Gage mornings are tough for mommy like I you know I'm not much of a morning person I like I am a morning person as long as I can sit with my coffee and my own thoughts or you know a good book like I would love like three hours where I could just do that before I go to work you know that would be wonderful ideal but you don't do you know you have to get up shower get to work whatever get your kid to school and so I went ahead and had this open moment with him where I said sometimes mornings are tough for mommy I wish I could just sit and cuddle with you all morning but it's an important part of life to get up to go to work and school. And um, so I recognize that that's important and that's why we have to get our shoes on, we have to put our jackets on, we have to get dressed and we're gonna go to school, we're gonna learn, mommy's gonna do work, it's really important. But I'm sorry if you ever feel like I'm a little frustrated in the mornings, it's just because it's hard for mommy to move fast in the morning. <laughs> just like it's hard for you to move fast in the mornings. And you know, I think he said something like, 
Mom, did you know that Thomas the Train, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> he wasn't upset but, at all. Yeah, it was just no, us. No. Maybe I think that parents. it was sinking in, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I could tell that there was something processing in his mm-hmm. brain. But anyway, I think that this was um, an incredible conversation. I hope that for you, for our audience, uh, parents, teachers, um, or, or people hoping to become parents someday, um, that you... Uh, this was able to alleviate some of your concerns or answer some questions maybe that you had about, am I a lawnmower parent, a helicopter parent? um, How do I know? How do I know how to toe that line? And what are the important questions to ask? Um, How do I walk that road with my kid and leave space for teachable moments? I hope that this was helpful for you guys. We are really excited to um, dive into our topic next week, which will be about 21st century learning. And we're excited to share about all the benefits of that and how Sunday models that, why that's important for kids right now. Gina, do you have anything else you want to say before we go? I've enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Education Outside the Lines. Please rate and subscribe to this podcast if you are enjoying it. That helps us out a lot. You can email us with questions and comments at educationoutsidethelines at gmail.com. If you are interested in hearing more of what Gina has to say, she's on Instagram and Facebook. You can also follow her blog at heartofamustangblog.com to hear more about her unique philosophy, her personal story, and how she started the Sunday Academy.